0: Welcome to the family here on Purple Mafia. I'm your host, Paladino Joey, or Joey Awajan. Purple Mafia is available on thesportstuff.com and on iTunes. I thank each and every one of you always for downloading and listening to this show. It's great to be back on air once again. I want to welcome any new listeners out there. Thank you very much for hopping on board. And for those of you out there that have been so loyal to this show, God bless you. Thank you so very much. And ...continue to spread the word about the Purple Mafia podcast... ...or Purple Mafia show, whatever you want to call it. (laughs) It's greatly appreciated, ultimately. So, here we are. We're about three episodes from episode number 200... ...and over eight years of recording, if you can believe that. Well, seven years. We're approaching eight years of recording. Pardon me. It's unbelievable. Unbelievable. Eighth season of Purple Mafia, though. Man, absolutely weird. But, then again, this isn't exactly any type of season opener or anything... It's going to be a typical show in terms of we got segment number one with the review of this game being Minnesota and Kansas City, previews of next week's game in Detroit, Michigan. That's right. It's Ford Field now. <laughs> That's right, Ford Field is not the Silver Dome anymore. And segment number three, fan interaction. Always greatly appreciated, those of you that do include yourself into this show. Couldn't do without you guys, really. I mean, then again, it's like. Sure, I can record the podcast without fan interaction, but it just wouldn't be the same. You know, it just wouldn't. It's, it's wonderful to know who I'm talking to, at least some of you. So, let's get on with this one, shall we? Minnesota hosts the Kansas City Chiefs, and as I did predict, the Minnesota Vikings won the game, but it certainly wasn't nearly, nearly as high-scoring as, <laughs> as probably anybody expected. Quite a grinded-out, boring first half of football, to be honest, even though the Vikings were winning 10 to nothing. Still, awfully boring, and the Chiefs were still very much within striking distance as long as they could hang on to the either hang on to the football or get a freaking yard, you know, like go go forward one yard when they need to when it's third and one or fourth and one or whatever it was. Rough game overall for both teams, to be quite honest. Teddy Bridgewater today, we might as well open with him. He was uh, pretty good early on, and, and it just kind of seemed to deteriorate. You know, things got a little bit tougher and tougher for him. He had an interception early on after a wonderful completion to Jarius Wright and another one to Stefan Diggs, who was a feature presentation of this show, to be quite honest. Man, oh man. Um, Nice, really cool to see the fact that you can have Jarius Wright and Stefan Diggs leading the way for the Minnesota Vikings at wide receiver at the same time. That's pretty awesome. Uh, Because part of me was worried, uh uh-oh, Stefan Diggs is pretty similar to Jarius Wright. What's that going to mean for... A guy, I really, really have always had a small, I had a soft spot for uh, a place in my heart for with this team. That's Jerry is right? and I've said his name like 50 times already. Um, but then you have a guy emerge like Stefan Takes. <sighs> <sighs> I mean, my goodness, so I'm already sidetracking before I even get to the wide receivers. Almost ought to stick with them, but no, Teddy Bridgewater during the course of the game again, like I said, deteriorated a bit, unfortunately. Throwing an interception late in the game, and it looked like it was going to be what a lot of us would like to call the dagger drive. And then here comes Kansas City down the field. Yeah, I mean, that, that was kind of the situation with him. Comparatively, Alex Smith was Alex Smith. I mean, he was Alex Smith, wasn't he? Pretty much. Fairly accurate, completed some passes. You know, his yardage was good, but that was in the second half. The first half, the Minnesota Vikings, to, compared to the Kansas City Chiefs. On offense, it was an absolute joke, and in the second half, it was kind of the other way around until like the final drive. Oh, goody! <laughs> wow. I mean, mm. and there really there wasn't really much to say about any final drive anyway. Vikings just kind of did what they did. <laughs> Only one touchdown pass from Teddy Bridgewater, and that was about midway through that second quarter, hitting Kyle Rudolph. So a guy that uh, so he's no longer a uh, urban legend. He's He's there, he's catching touchdowns, at least one second touchdown of the season for Kyle Rudolph. He's a nice touchdown guy, you could say, a guy you could throw to in that situation, but still, it's a bit of an urban legend with only two catches, nine yards, ultimately on the day. So let's just get to receivers, shall we? Uh, Mike Wallace, a frustrating day overall. A lot of passes he should have caught, and or they were defended nicely. He was targeted nine times, basically thrown to nine times, and only two catches, 23 yards on the day. He could have had a pretty huge game, ultimately. Uh, Stefan Diggs, though, the man of the hour. Nine targets, seven catches, 129 yards. No touchdown, unfortunately, but those were ultimately big plays down multiple drives that helped the Vikings win the game, or unfortunately led to an interception in the end zone early on. (laughs) Jarius Wright's big play of the day, was very early, a 52-yard grab. Uh, 52 yard catch and go at about an extra 20 yards after the catch after a 30 yard pass overall. A nice connection from Teddy Bridgewater. Really cool to see that there is uh, a really nice chemistry going on with these guys. Stefan Diggs and Jarius Wright along with uh, Mr. Teddy Bridgewater. Nice to see some chemistry going on with them. Another notable of the day, really nice to see Blair Walsh make all of his kicks, including a 45-yarder on a windy day in October. Outside, of course. Not bad. Not bad at all. And what a beautiful day today really was, ultimately. Beautiful day. A a little bit on the chilly side, but a beautiful day if you were at the game or just outside during the game, (laughs) like listening to it on the radio during halftime or whatever, like me. During halftime, I went outside because I have to. Doggone it. Um... Not really a whole lot of details in this game that that'd make you just say, wow. More of just, it's nice that we won the game, I guess. I mean, we were able to hang on to the lead, and Kansas City kind of, it seemed like they didn't really want to win. <laughs> it seemed like they really didn't. I mean, they're 1-5 now. The Vikings are 3-2. and two, So we're still in the playoff hunt. Kansas City, all intents and purposes, pretty much done. Most likely. And of course, no uh, Jamal Charles. He was injured uh, in between shows here because I was off during the bye week. He got injured last week against the Chicago Bears, and ACL, that's his second of his career. That really sucks. In fact, of, especially when you consider the fact he's already the leading rusher in the history of the Kansas City Chiefs, when you've had such nice names there at, at running back, but unfortunately their time with the Kansas City Chiefs, namely Priest Holmes, was not all that long because he was already a veteran uh, running back at the time. He was already about 30-ish when he started to reach his unbelievable peak and had an unbelievable couple of years there. But um, it was short-lived. Jamal Charles has really been a franchise carrier for a franchise that has not been all that good for quite some time. Lots of promise coming in with Andy Reid and all that, and they had a, they made the playoffs right away their first year with him. And now, mm, mm, mm. and now you're starting to see what Andy Reid uh, the, the the negative side of Andy Reid. And it's like for the while the longest time you looked at him as a guy who was good in the regular season but couldn't really win the big one in the postseason a la Dennis Green. Now you see a guy who isn't good in close games either, a la Dennis Green. Go ahead and attack me with that one. I'm sure most people listening to this show that were around to watch the Vikings when Dennis Green was the head coach would agree with that. Terrible in close games. Andy Reid and Dennis Green are pretty similar that way, to be quite honest. Along with the fact that Andy Reid is a West Coast offense kind of guy, Dennis Dennis Green mostly was West Coast, but yeah he was a little bit more vertical, i I would have to say, especially when you had Brian Billick as the offensive coordinator for a long period of time, getting off track again. What a surprise. Mm. I'm gonna get back I'm gonna get back to Stefan Diggs here first before I talk about the defense or nah, let's get to the defense and come back to Diggs because he's he's just man. um uh, Mr. Everson Griffin out with illness. And Daniil, I keep wanting to say Danielle, but it's Daniil Hunter, uh, replacing him as a rookie today at defensive end, looked pretty damn good out there, to be quite honest. Pressured Alex Smith, even got a half sack along with Sharif Floyd early on, making the Chiefs look like absolute garbage in that first half. It's a shame that things kind of changed during the course of the game. Eric Kendricks, mmm, Eric Kendricks, boy, he looks really awesome, doesn't he? Led the team with 10 total tackles. Nine of them were solo tackles. He was fantastic throughout the entire day, pressuring not only the quarterback but the running game, making huge stops along the way. That would save the Vikings in in short-yardage situations. Tackles for loss. Really appreciate what Eric Kendricks, the rookie out of UCLA, brings to the Minnesota Vikings, along with his teammate uh, (laughs) Anthony Barr. Not nearly as visible today. It was all about Kendricks. I mean, Anthony Barr, one total tackle on the day. And that's it. And it was just an assist. Isn't that strange? I mean, it's like I look at this and I wonder, is this real? But I guess Eric Hendricks hogged all of them. I, I mean, I guess so. He even deflected a pass along with Andrew Sendejo, who's healthy, <laughs> who nearly injured Mr. Uh, Xavier Rhodes last time around, <laughs> or two two games ago, pardon me. Uh, Captain Munderland was also really, really good throughout the day. Trey Waynes was good in the time he was out there as well. Certainly not perfect. I mean, he got beat a little bit, but overall, three tackles, three solo tackles in the game. It's not necessarily about those statistics, but he was adequate throughout the game. Captain Munderland was one of the better corners out there, and really like what Terrence Newman continues to bring to this team as well. Really good defense. Really, I mean, overall. You don't see pass deflections as much. More of, he just... Denies the receiver the ball. He just kills their kills kills the route. The guy, the re- receiver, can't get anywhere, and the frustration starts to really mount along with the Jeremy, uh, well, like Jeremy Maclin, throughout the day. Who also nearly had a, <laughs> who appeared to have a concussion at some point. He was getting really frustrated early on as well. Lots of the Kansas City Chiefs. You can just see all over that that team. There's a lot of frustration right now. Slamming down helmets. Travis Kelsey slammed down his helmet when they couldn't get a first down that cost them on the fourth down and then gave the Vikings a 15-yard penalty. You know, I don't blame him for that. Even though it's undisciplined and all that, you know what? Can you imagine the frustration going on with a team that probably should be better than this? You know, they should be better. Come on, you got all this talent. I mean, Macklin's been really good and Kelsey's been good. Alex Smith just doesn't cut it, to be quite honest with you, even though he's uh, an upgrade compared to what they had before. (laughs) All the junk they had, the Christian Ponder-type quarterbacks they had in the past Oh, man. I mean, yeah, Matt Castle was okay, but he wasn't that good. Mm. Kind of an overall mess of a game. I mean, what what more, what what all really is there to talk about in this game other than the Vikings? This is the take I get out of this one. The Vikings were doing well on defense and their offense. It was almost as if, in general, even the defense, it was almost as if, you know, we're doing okay, and the Chiefs are playing, are so inept right now against us today, and are just playing with such, they just don't seem like they, they they're probably getting the vibe like they can't do anything, that we can get comfortable out here with this 10-point lead, or 13, or 13-point 13 lead, it got to, um, when Walsh made one of his three field goals, 13-point lead, you know, we're, we're going to be fine, it was kind of a, com- they, they, they had kind of reached a comfort level, and, and, uh, you know, we're the better team, we're at home, we, sh- we should be fine, and then right when that happens. What what takes place? Well, what do you think takes place? The Kansas City Chiefs start completing passes. They start rushing for first downs. God dang it! They start actually doing something right. And no, it was uh, not when the Chiefs had uh, acquired, uh, filled in a fourth down. It was when when West the uh, when West the running back fumbled the ball. Pardon me. He lost a fumble late in the game that really screwed the Kansas City Chiefs. That's when the helmet was slammed down. I do apologize, even though the Chiefs did blow it on a fourth and one at a point where they really, really needed it late. uh, late. (laughs) That was where I think the Vikings got extremely comfortable. Like, the Chiefs, they can't score. And it seemed like right after that drive, when the Chiefs were way down in the Vikings' goal line, after Kelsey had had a huge reception, after that, it's like the Vikings got comfortable. And then the Chiefs got comfortable, too, in a different way. And they started completing passes and doing what they needed to do, and their defense continued to take advantage of... uh, an offense that wasn't doing all that much. And Adrian Peterson had negative yards in the first half and started to pick up in the second half and amazingly wound up with 60 because of a very strong second half. And the fact that, well, in order to run the clock, you have to run the ball. And Adrian was adequate at that. Even Matt Asiata was actually really good today. Not only um, with his five rushes, he was very solid in those five rushes with 27 yards. That's really good for five five carries. But he also made a very uh, nice catch and go. Late in the game, an eight-yard uh, catch. Uh, well, it was ultimately about two yards away, and he scampered, powered to six more, which was really, really important. Put the Vikings at, at third and short, I believe, at the time. Really did help the Vikings in that sense. Overall, the Vikings, comfort, the Vikings got too comfortable in this one. They could have given it up, but luckily it just wasn't meant to be for the Kansas City Chiefs. Too, too many things went wrong for them, and the Vikings kind of sort of woke up and got a little bit more serious, which was nice. It's like, stop screwing around, <laughs> and that's pretty much what happened. Teddy Bridgewater, after that costly interception, <clears> that gave the Chiefs hope. <laughs> it really gave the Chiefs hope, a chance to tie the game up. After they finally got their first field goal, they finally drew some blood. Then they get that touchdown right after that interception. You have a three-point game. Vikings finally woke up and made it a 16-10 <clears throat> to 10 game instead of a... <laughs> yeah instead of a twenty to ten game, which would have been a lot better, sixteen points or a, a six point lead basically means nothing. I mean yeah, okay, great. you can't tie it up with a field goal, but a touchdown still wins the game, and the Vikings have lost games that way in the past. they've done it many times in the past to be quite honest, and now uh, the pigeons are trying to be alive in the studio audience over here the the uh, infamous pigeons over there. <laughs> I don't know if you guys could hear that <laughs> oh. I don't know. Should I call them Pidge 1 and Pidge 2? Or, I don't know. I guess you gotta just laugh at that situation. I mean, what else are you gonna do? Freaking pigeons. God. Pigeons. Pigeons, really? Pigeons? <clears throat> Anyhow. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, this wouldn't be Purple Mafia. It wouldn't be a Paladino Live production. <laughs> if, if there wasn't some kind of <clears throat> goofy thing in the background. And something to laugh at, you know? Why do we gotta be overly serious anyway? The Vikings won 16 to 10 against the Kansas City Chiefs today in the TCF Bank Stadium. This isn't Super Bowl Sunday, and even if it was, you got to you got to put your feet up a little bit, right? I mean, is this is this radio or is this military radio? You know, are, are we talking about the the, the Japanese coming? And, and okay, let's leave that alone. Let's please leave that alone for the time being, anyway. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, boy, and it's, it's just yeah, it wasn't. The most exciting, the most watchable game of all time. But there were good plays along the way. And again, Stephon Diggs. Stephon Diggs, let's come back to him now. Now that I've talked about the defense. And I've probably already rehashed Stephon Diggs enough. But I better make this statement now. I mean, this guy, and yeah, you probably already saw it in the show description anyway. Damn it, I like spoil things too much in that show description, don't I? But um, Stephon Diggs has gone from a fourth round pick that looks like a nifty little pick. Hmm, he might be an he might be an NFL receiver, not just a special teams guy. At first, I saw, okay, let's start off with special teams. He could be a factor, and and then he might actually be an okay receiver too. Let's let's see. Let's let's get this straight. Uh, start. See, he's a he's a he, he, he's good at special teams, and he could be an okay receiver too. Then what happens to Jarius Wright? Because he's kind of a small type of guy, also that can catch uh, long passes on occasion. Unlike Percy Harvin, who could only catch uh, up the middle. I know, I know, that's a mean thing to say, but it's true. It is true. If you watch the games, it's true. Jarius Wright's more versatile that way. Um, but what happens to Jarius Wright? I mean, that's that's not good. But then Jarius Wright did hang on, and he made the team. And I figured he'd make the team, but I mean, does he wind up with the New York Giants or something and get a ring with them this year? <laughs> yeah, don't be surprised, by the way. <clears throat> New York Giants make the playoffs. They win the Super Bowl, in my opinion. Stefan Diggs, though. Jarius Wright hangs on. He's still a factor, and that's wonderful, and I'm so freaking happy about that. But back to Stefan Diggs. (laughs) Can you dig it? That's the title of this episode, as you also probably noticed by now. Can you dig it? I can dig it. I can dig it, man. (laughs) This guy is not only a decent receiver, not only a receiver that warrants a, a lot of playing time, maybe a third receiver. No, no. Not only just a third receiver, which would warrant a ton of playing time, not only just a starting receiver, <clears throat> like a second guy, but he could be a number one receiver, a go-to guy for this team. Not only for those short first down passes that you really need, and you could get Cherry Wright and Mike Wallace for those too. <laughs> yeah, you absolutely could. But who's this Who's this Charles Johnson guy? Who the hell is he? Oh, that's right. He's out with the rib injury type of thing. Who the hell's Charles Johnson? You know, when you have Stefan Diggs, right? Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. He could be your number one receiver. And I never really saw Charles Johnson as a number one receiver. I saw him as a spark plug, maybe a third receiver type of guy. You know what I mean? That's what that's what Charles Johnson always was to me. Number one receiver, maybe sometimes. But if he's your number one receiver all the time, I don't know. Stefan Diggs is the real deal, folks. He could be a number one receiver long term for this team. Or uh, several other teams in the NFL. Uh, he, he's that good. Sometimes, sometimes, good things happen. Miracles do happen sometimes, Sir Dark Lord. <laughs> Stole that from Final Fantasy Adventure. But it's true. Miracles do happen sometimes. Not only does Teddy Bridgewater slip to the 32nd pick and the Vikings are able to scoop him up in that, in that draft, but sometimes good players slip further than that because they're not as touted as the top guys in the draft. They're not Calvin Johnson. Um, they're not Keenan Allen, even though maybe they are Keenan Allen, if you know what I mean. <laughs> Stefan Diggs might be a Keenan Allen the way it's going. Y- you know, they're not Cordero Patterson either, where you have all this talent and all that and this, but but there's there's character issues and and he just doesn't seem to care that much and and he he just he's not real studious about the game. So then the guy like Stefan Diggs, who maybe he just maybe he is, maybe he does have the real Ed factor, and this time we mean it instead of. We sort of meant it with Kurt Earl Patterson, who's probably not going to be on the team much longer at this rate. Um, Sometimes a guy like Stefan Diggs does slip to that fourth round. And maybe that's where he was supposed to go. But maybe we took him and and, uh, he ends up being much greater than a fourth round pick. He looks like a first round pick to me right now. And I'm talking 15th overall range. Pretty damn exciting, to be quite honest with you. Am I overdoing it? I I don't think so because other people in this town are saying the same thing and I'm not riding their coattails at all because I saw what I saw and I was thinking that the whole time out there this is a go-to wide receiver for the Minnesota Vikings long-term. There it is. Boom! Okay, so shall we jump right into the, the weekly awards? Might as well because as climactic as the end tried to be it wasn't that climactic, you know? The Kansas City offense just didn't get the job done and the Vikings were able to get their cute little field goal and then the Kansas City offense didn't do anything. Vikings got the ball back, ran the clock out. There, there There's your climax, okay? If that's a climax, I'd sure hate to see the building action <laughs> or the aftermath. The aftermath at least is a win. Thank you. Three and two. Vikings are in second place. Hope the Packers lose. Really hope the Packers are losing. No, I'm kidding. (laughs) That's basically what the whole thought process was, because the Packers hadn't played yet. And we'll talk about the Packers and Chargers in segment number two. But before we get there, let's wrap up segment number one with the weekly awards before I forget, as per tradition. The Fran Tarkenton Award, the player of the week, the player of the game. Well, it's Cordell Patterson, damn it. It's Cordell Patterson, because he didn't play. And the fact that, oh, well, he didn't show up. He didn't get, get catch a pass. You know why he'd be the Fran Tarkin award? Because it gave Stefan Diggs a chance to go out there and do what he did. <laughs> and become the real Fran Tarkin award winner for this week. Stefan Diggs, without a doubt to me. Freaking awesome. <clears throat> Adrian Peterson was trying to work his way up there when he got loose a little bit with that 23-yard gain, which did help the Vikings down the stretch wind up with one of their field goal drives. <sighs> oh, boy, oh, boy. So... What else is there? We've got the Christian Ponder Memorial. Well, um <laughs> it's Cordero Patterson. He's just a non factor. I don't know. Do I have to give it to him every week? I, I I guess so. You could almost say it's Andy Reid too, because he's just not that good, but <laughs> he's not as good as, as advertised, you know. He's just he's just not that good, I guess. I mean he's good sometimes, but he's not good in the big moments, is he? Big games, big moments in even in regular season games. They aren't, aren't like a huge, huge thing. But then again, they kind of had to win this game today to stay alive. Um, but we appreciate that. Thank you, uh, Andy Reid. Thank you very much. Uh, I mean, I guess I got to give it to Cordell Patterson. Just he, he can't beat out a fourth-round pick. He can't beat out another fourth-round pick. Do you realize the top two receivers for this game were fourth-round picks? Stefan Diggs and Jarius right. Boom. Draft your wide receivers in the fourth round. You don't have to give up a first-round pick for your wide receiver. Because look what happened when the Vikings gave up a first-round pick for a wide receiver. Especially when they gave up a package to get that first-round pick from the New England Patriots. Because, doggone it, we fleeced the Patriots, man. Patriots are wincing. The Patriots are never wincing. Ever. The the only time the Patriots wince is when somebody gets a last-second interception... That just somehow, some way, get in a, Tom Brady's uh, passing lane, get that interception at the last second of the 2006 AFC Championship game. That's about the only time they're winning. Uh, that's about it. Or when the New York Giants show up in the Super Bowl. <clears throat> that's the other time. That's about it. But it's not not during a draft or a trade. Not not really often. <clears throat> so there you go. Christian Ponder Memorial Coast to Cordero Patterson. Urban legend ultimately is um... Why Why did the Vikings kind of stop playing, and why isn't Mike Wallace suddenly catching passes? I mean, that's kind of an urban legend for me. Targeted nine times, he only wanted with two catches. Kind of weird. Like, why was he having such a hard time out there? You'd think he would add a big game, but, well, it happens. I mean, luckily things came around. Hopefully Teddy Bridgewater can uh, get rid of the turnovers. There we go. There's your urban legend. Nine straight games. Nine straight games the Minnesota Vikings have turned the ball over. That's a lot of games consecutive with a turnover. So, I know turnovers happen in football. They're very common, but you should have at least one game where there's no turnovers, right? I mean, nine in a row? That's a big number. So, there's an urban legend. It's getting kind of big, along with Cordero Patterson. But, I don't know, I can only mention them so many times before it gets to be too much. So, yeah, it will it will go with the whole turnover bit. End of segment number one. Wasn't that fun? I mean, I enjoyed it. I hope you did. It was a little goofy, but... The game was kind of goofy, too. And so is everything. I mean, everything's goofy. Two 4th fourth-round picks being as good as they are. And you know what? Why do you think I value fourth-round picks? Because there's always talent down there. There's always talent down there, man. And these two guys, Stefan and Jarius, are absolute reasons why the fourth-round pick is valuable. Absolute proof to it, anyway. So with that, we will take a break. Come back for segment number two. NFC North Roundup, and well, you can basically merge it together with the Detroit Lions. It's going to be a little bit easier this time around. We'll talk about why right after this. Do you shop on Amazon? Did you know that you could support this podcast just by doing your normal shopping on Amazon? It's really easy to do. Just go to thesportstuff.com and click on one of the many Amazon pictures. Do your normal shopping, and Amazon sees that we referred you, and they give us a percentage. We'd like to thank you in advance for supporting thesportstuff.com, and please use our Amazon link. Now enjoy the rest of the show. We are going round. We're back here on Purple Mafia, segment number two. Time for some NFC North review and, well, in this case, Detroit Lion preview. But luckily, like I was saying at the end of the last segment, <laughs> as we're wrapping things up, we can merge things together in this one because Detroit and Chicago played each other and we play Detroit next week. So definitely going to be a lot easier this time around. Only two games, basically, here. And one that just ended and the Green Bay Packers are 6 and 0 oh. Oh, San Diego made it awfully interesting after going down 17-3. to I mean, it looked like the Packers were just going to roll over that club, but then Phillip Rivers getting a touchdown at the end of the half, or making a touchdown pass to Duntrail Inman at, right at the end of the half <clears> on <throat> a short gain, of course, at the goal line. Not the way you want to end a half for Green Bay, and you know how that can always change momentum, and it did, because then Phillip Rivers and Ladarius Green connected for a 19-yarder to make it 17-17, so just like that. San Diego Chargers went from a 14-point deficit to a tie game, but then unfortunately things went back Green Bay's direction and that was all she wrote after Aaron Rodgers uh, completed a drive to James Jones, making it 24-17. Very frustrating indeed. San Diego just couldn't really get much offense after that. They managed a field goal when they probably could have gotten more than that, and a guy named Josh Lambeau in Lambeau Field, that's the field goal kicker for the San Diego Char- Chargers. <clears throat> I almost called them the Padres, but San Diego Chargers they were able to get that a drive that could have been a lot more promising in favor of the Chargers, and it's quite unfortunate, but made it twenty-four twenty. Chargers still needed a touchdown to take the lead, and ultimately Green Bay would add another field goal late to make it twenty-seven twenty. The Chargers did get all the way, all the way to the goal line, and they had <laughs> they had first and goal. And they couldn't get it done. They just couldn't get in the end zone. It was quite unfortunate. Uh, Philip Rivers overthrew a guy, not necessarily because it was a bad pass, but because he was avoiding an interception that would have ended the game right there, right then and there. Then there was a handoff that just didn't get anywhere, and then Rogers had his uh, Rogers, and then uh, Philip Rivers had his pass and knocked away looked like a sure touchdown to Woodhead that would have tied it up and we would have been going to overtime and would have delayed my recording this segment a little bit. Because <laughs> I wanted to get things going here. Um, but ultimately, the Packers prevail on that. It ends that way. And quite unfortunate for all of us here in Minnesota. That I would like to see the Packers lose once in a while. I mean, it would be really nice. It really would. Um, Aaron Rodgers did not have the greatest game ever in, in terms of accuracy. But... <laughs> Overall, just over his uh, quarterback rating still wound up about 108, only 55%, but 108 with his two touchdowns, no turnovers. Just overall stellar performance, 255 yards. But speaking of stellar, Philip Rivers, who for whatever reason his quarterback rating much lower <laughs> because he attempted so many passes, 503 yards against that Green Bay uh, defense, yet just couldn't get it done at the end. Quite unfortunate. Because San Diego is the kind of team that tends to overachieve at times when they go against a good team. They tend to do something interesting, but Green Bay looks like a team on a mission right now, ladies and gentlemen. And that sucks. They're 6-0. and When you start getting into the 6-0 and range, that's getting real serious. I mean, you don't see 6-0 and very much. You, you really don't. I mean, teams don't usually stay undefeated that long. Maybe I could bounce around here a little bit. Denver amazingly is six and0 as well before I get to the uh, the preview and all that I might as well look at some of this some of the yeah there's a lot of undefeated teams right now including the New England Patriots who are four and0 going up against the Indianapolis Colts and that that hated rivalry per se the Colts really haven't been living up to the hype this year though have they what, what is their record right now they're three and two they're still miraculously leading that South, South division in the AFC they win tonight they're four and two they're Pretty much got that division wrapped up already. The way things are going over there, Uh, Denver six and zero. Their toughest opponent in that division is San Diego, and they're only two and four. Kansas City and Oakland, tch. yeah. Cincinnati six and zero. If I didn't mention that already, Pittsburgh's four and two. The Jets are four and one. Seem like the whole AFC East has already had the bye. Cause seem like a lot of them are have not been playing. I, I tend to just kind of bounce around the league a little bit, so bear with me. I mean, I I enjoy doing it. It's interesting. Hopefully, you guys like that as well. Uh, Denver almost lost to Cleveland today. I feel for you, Vince. Vince Germano out there, Courtside Podcast and close friend of mine. We've been on Timberwolves Explosion and all that. I mean, it's so fun. And of course, Showtime and T-Wolves. Oh, so much fun to do that show with him. Love you, Vince out there. Australian Laker fan and Cleveland Browns fan. Kind of a stark contrast there between those two franchises, but (laughs) I would have loved to see uh, Cleveland beat Denver. I I have no real fandom of Denver, and I hated the cheap way they beat the Vikings last time around. Buffalo looking a little more overrated than we thought. I mean, they looked awfully good to start off the season. Pounded by Cincinnati today in Buffalo, they're only 500. 500. Ouch. And that's what Cleveland would have been today if they would have won. They'd still be in the mix, and yeah, Buffalo's in the mix, but they're not like the Jets right now. Mm mm mm. Miami, after firing uh, Joe Philbin during the break, our break, you know, the, the bye week. Look at that. Thirty eight to ten over a crappy Tennessee team in Tennessee, in Nashville. Uh thirty eight to ten, Miami. Mm, we'll see. Only their second win of the year, but hey, one more and they're back to five hundred ultimately. Uh San Francisco beating the Baltimore Ravens today. Wow. So they're kind of sort of tied with the Seattle Seahawks right now. <coughs> Pretty freaking awesome. I, I hate that Seattle Seahawks team. Where are they? They lost today. Seattle was pounding Carolina, and they lost. There we go. I love it. And Holly out there, Holly Brooks, who oh, since tends to love the Seattle Seahawks, I guess she likes Carolina more because she was wearing that today. <laughs> Shout out to you, Holly. Um, that was so awesome. <laughs> so awesome to see Carolina beat Seattle in Seattle. Wow. <laughs> oh, my God. And Carolina Panthers are 5 and They're They're ahead of Atlanta right now, who's probably... The second best team in the NFC. I mean, who's who? Who else is there, other than the Giants, who will go to Green Bay and beat them this year? Yeah, it's going to happen. Watch, it's going to happen. Even the Falcons lost today to the to the Aints. Excuse me, on Thursday they lost to the Aints. So let's stop delaying the inevitable and let's kind of put two in one here. We'll, we'll start with the NFC North side of things. The Chicago Bears today do not beat the Detroit Lions in a battle of the bad in the NFC North. The Bears, who had won two games already, which was a shocker to a lot of us out there, almost won their third game. I mean, they would have been 500. Who saw that coming? Most people saw them as going for the number one overall pick in the draft. Detroit, then, looked like the team going for the number one overall pick in the draft, and they win today in a shootout with Chicago in Ford Field. 37-34, to 34, it had to go to overtime. Nuts. And Matthew Stafford, who was benched last week because of his ineptitude, absolute ineptitude, had one of his best games in quite a while. Quarterback rating almost 120 with 117.7. Four touchdowns, only one interception, 405 yards. An unbelievable game for him. Jay Cutler was okay. He was Jay Cutler-like, I guess. Including a good uh, good number of yards. 353 And then an 88.8 rating. My brother would love that number. One touchdown, one interception. Those are Cutler numbers right there. Um, Detroit with a very balanced running game, you could say. Even though it wasn't a very used running game, it was very balanced. (laughs) Lots of different guys out there. Calvin Johnson, huge game. 166 yards on six catches. Lance Moore also. Lance Moore, wow. Five catches, 106 yards and a touchdown. And then Golden Tate and Tim Wright also adding touchdowns along the way. Golden Tate who'd been voicing his opinion about his predictable offense and out there in the, in the past. The teams knew what they were going to do, all that. People are uh, not too happy with Golden Tate for kind of talking about that too much in the media, but it is what it is, and Detroit is an absolute mess like they always are. It's, it's quite, a, quite a dropout from what they were last year when they, found, when they finished 10-6, and six, and it seemed like they deserved better than 10-6, and six, and they barely lost that game. Uh, was it Dallas if I remember correctly barely lost to Dallas just barely. Now that's a, it's a far cry from talking about Dallas and unfortunately for the Cowboys same thing with them because of Tony Romo's injury so that's who the Vikings will be playing this upcoming week. How good will Matthew Stafford be against the Vikings defense in foreign field? Well I'm sure he'll be better than he's been lately so that's the disappointing part is obviously he realized his job could be at stake now. You go from number one overall pick in the draft to having all these good, promising seasons, people thinking you're the best, you know, or, or not the best, but one of the better quarterbacks in the league and on such a talented offense, and then you're inconsistent, and people start questioning you after it's been years and years of the same old thing, you know, showing, showing, showing stretches of talent, but then kind of being Tarzan <clears throat> Palmer-like with that inconsistency where one day he's got 400 yards, and the next day he's got 250 and two interceptions, three interceptions so hopefully we can get a couple of interceptions on Matthew Stafford, because if we do we're going to win the game, that's one of the massive, uh, massive keys to the game next week, is to get Matthew Stafford to goad him into some interceptions if possible, goad him into some type of turnovers, he did get one interception today, and a ball was lost on the ground by TJ Jones as well, <clears throat> ultimately a fumble loss on a three yard loss, frustrating play for Detroit in that one, when they tried to do something different <laughs> we'll say, ultimately he's normally a kick returner. <clears throat> we'll just have to wait and see what's going to happen with Detroit. Obviously a very talented offense, but the best way to beat them, again, is to get them into turnovers Because it seems like that team tends to fold once they start turning the ball over. I mean, they'll te- they'll, they'll try to come back at you. Sure they will. But it, they're just not the same. And their defense is nothing, nothing what it was in the past. Dominick and Sue apparently was, meant a lot more to this team than people wanted to give him credit. As much of a jackass and an asshole that he was out there, that defense was freaking awesome when he was in Detroit, and it was a two-year stretch or so that the Vikings really had to, really, or no, it had been for quite a while that Detroit's front line was really frustrating for the Minnesota Vikings, including last year when they came into TCF Bank Stadium and beat Minnesota pretty soundly in the trenches in that game. Very frustrating game indeed. Detroit in Detroit has always, always been a thorn in the side for the Minnesota Vikings when they're good or bad. Either way, Detroit can really, really frustrate you. Their fan base is obnoxious, and they often have a good offense, and it looks like it's kind of coming back and starting to show up again, and they'll be playing a familiar foe like they did this week. They tend to to wake up more for these divisional games. They'll go out to San Diego, get their butts kicked, They'll go, to, they'll go to Philadelphia, get creamed, and then they'll play Chicago or Green Bay and frustrate the hell out of them and almost beat them. And in this case, they did beat Chicago. They almost beat Green Bay earlier this year. So it's going to be an interesting test for the Vikings. If they can come out of this one 4-2, and two, they'll be looking awfully pretty, and the Vikings will be in sole possession of second place, which we are right now, but it'll feel a hell of a lot better being 4-2 and two instead of 3-3. Three and three. You go from a winning record to a losing record. That's a big, big, big two-game stretch there. Two game, uh, two game swing for the Vikings in this one. We all know the Detroit Lions, who they are. We know them so very well. <laughs> we know the inconsistencies in Matthew Stafford. We know the greatness of uh, of uh, Kelvin Johnson, but obviously he's at times only as good as his quarterback. If, if the quarterback can't get him the ball, what's he going to do? When <laughs> and when Matthew Stafford does get him the ball, we're screwed. <laughs> if, uh, Kelvin Johnson has a, if Kelvin Johnson is able to have a big game against the Minnesota Vikings, I don't think we come out of this one. I don't think our offense has enough firepower, but we'll see. I mean, Chicago managed to score 34 points against the uh, Detroit Lions, and that's only with one turnover. Well, two because of the fumble, pardon me. So um, Chicago's defense is nothing special at this point either. A little better than last year, apparently, but not much better. Obviously, they have a better coach than they did. That's one of the reasons why they're actually winning a couple games versus last season. But, um, well, Detroit able to hang on and win this one. Good for them. Hopefully, the Minnesota Vikings can 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 ultimately frustrate that offense. I mean, it really is on the Vikings' defense versus the Detroit offense here for the Vikings to win the game more than anything. Because, again, you know, I could say it a million more times, Matthew Stafford and Kelvin Johnson are able to connect on a regular basis. It's game over, and Minnesota will lose the game. But with that said, I think the Vikings defense will come back and will do a good job against the Detroit Lions. I think the Vikings can win in Ford Field this upcoming week. I think that team is a mess. I think they had their little rebound and we're happy for them. I think the Vikings are are able to win in a pretty close game. They'll frustrate Matthew Stafford into something, maybe just a wild incomplete pass at the end, kind of like kind of like how the Chargers and Packers game just ended. I see Stafford throwing two interceptions in the game. Maybe it's the Anthony Barr and and, uh, Harrison Smith type of uh, combination. Maybe it's Captain Munderland getting the other one instead of Anthony Barr. Who knows? But it'll be something like that. I think Minnesota will win the game. It's going to be higher scoring. We'll go with the 28, so it'll probably be like 16 to to 10 again. But we'll go with 28 to... uh, We're going to go with 28 to 24. Pretty close game. Higher scoring. 28 to 21. 28 to 21. Minnesota will beat the Detroit Lions in Ford Field, and we'll be very, very happy indeed when it does happen. <laughs> so we'll leave it at that. Minnesota comes out 4-2 and with a 28-21 victory over the Detroit Lions, 28-24. I'll go back with that again. All right, so we'll get to the fan interaction right after this. And we are back here on Purple Mafia segment number three. That means it's time to talk some fan interaction. Time to hear from you guys out there. Gotta love that. So let's get to the Facebook page, shall we? Simply type in the search bar on your fa- on Facebook. Type in Purple Mafia, Minnesota Vikings show. Tip on the click on the one that says company, not group. Company, not group, if there is still a group out there. Click on the one that is the Facebook page, then click like on the page. Just like the page, damn it. Please join the page, it'd be greatly appreciated. Thank you, and God bless you to the newcomers and those of you that are already on there as well. As per tradition, I always start off with what people thought of the previous episode, because I just just have to know, damn it, right? (laughs) Episode number 196, Very Winnable, was the name of the show. This was two weeks ago when the Vikings lost to the Denver Broncos. Got two comments from that one. And Tanae Wilson Brown out of New Zealand saying a fitting title. So frustrating. And Mark Carlson saying ha ha ha, Reggie Bush, George Bush. Great sense of humor, Joey. And that's because I was comparing I was basically saying George W. Bush probably has better skills at running back right at this stage than Reggie Bush for the San Francisco forty ers Not really a much of a factor there. Not, not 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 a not a whole lot, to be quite honest. Um Oh, man, I had some type of train of thought there that I was losing, that I'm losing. Hopefully it comes back here. Um, and I was talking about, yeah, the whole Gerald Hodges situation. I just saved it for now. I figured it's on here, so we'll get what you guys have to say. And I'll wrap up with my thoughts. Uh, I say this. I know this isn't news, but this, sh- this show is more about discussion than breaking news, per se. With that said, your thoughts about the Gerald Hodges trade? Yeah, Gerald Hodges trade. Mm. Yep. Uh, Mark Carlson saying, I guess there must be a reason behind this. I didn't know we were selling. Danae Brown saying, I like that we're trying to get Teddy some protection, but what's Easton like? I read the 49ers were planning on cutting him. If anyone was going to get traded, I thought it would have been Cordero Patterson, CP84. Well, he was swayed. He still has some value from his rookie season. My football knowledge is pretty limited, though. Ha ha. (laughs) And, um, We'll come back to that. Mark Carlson saying, Joey, do you think we have issues at the center position? Why make a trade? Dave Hickey saying, I don't like it. He was a nice player with a huge upside. What did they get with a six? What? What did they get? A six six round pick that probably won't even make the team and a center that will be a backup to Sullivan. I love this coaching staff, but it looks like a bad decision on Spielman. And yeah, Mark was saying he doesn't doesn't understand what the hell is going on. And then today was saying, um, football knowledge is limited, blah, blah, blah. Um, yeah, I, I'm kind of, you know, I, I could see Cordero Patterson going to the 49ers. That would have been kind of an interesting, kind of a smart move for the 49ers, to be quite honest, because what do they have to lose at this stage? Why not? Why not bring in Cordero Patterson? Gerald Hodges might end up being a wonderful pick for them. Not sure exactly what's going on. Um, so I'll kind of get with Mark Carlson and Tanay Brown in the first two there ultimately, um, yes, and Gerald Hodges was traded for a six-round pick, and uh, Easton, a center from the San Francisco 49ers that I know very little about. He was a backup that today was saying, yep, they were, they were looking to cut him, possibly. Um, it sounds like Gerald Hodges just um, wasn't very good in the locker room, I guess. I mean, maybe he wasn't studying very much. He wasn't really much into film. I don't know. He looked pretty good out there, and he even won a starting job, so... I don't know. Something must have went badly awry. Like maybe he did something that coach Zimmer didn't like and maybe coach Zimmer corrected him on it and there was a huge blow up. Like Hodges went from like okay, sorry coach, I'll, you know, I'll, I'll learn from this to basically maybe maybe uh leave me the F alone. I know what I'm doing. Maybe it kind of went that far. Kind of like somebody at work that I that I'd like to remain nameless once they got signed off on their job. See, at first they were kind of like, okay, 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 but they were kind of annoying to they were kind of annoying to teach as well because they'd ask the same stupid question 950 times, and then next thing you know, once they're signed off, they're the expert and you need to listen to them because it's their idea now. We need to listen to their ideas because they're as expert as everybody else. Bullshit, <laughs> bullshit, and maybe it was something like that with Gerald Hodges. I don't know. That's about what I could come up with, though. A difficult uh, guy to work with, I guess. I mean, because he was looking semi-good out there. And trust me, that co-worker doesn't look good at all at the, in the field. Maybe decent, but eh. let's just say if, they, if their work work uh, work uh, uh, performance was uh, comparable to the NFL, they'd be lucky to be on the second team. <clears throat> Mark Carlson, on to where do you think we need a center position? Yeah, I was wondering if that meant Sullivan was, uh, it was a more serious situation with him too. Could that have something to do with it? I don't think so it doesn't sound like it yeah he's just out till week eight I guess unfortunately and we're almost there already week seven's coming up so wait what week are we yeah 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 it'd be it'd be week seven we're, we're five games in but six weeks in uh, Dave you're saying he you didn't like it blah 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 six round pick well uh you know good point there Dave but at the same time at the same time take a look at uh, John Sullivan. And look up what what round he was drafted in. He was drafted in the sixth round. What uh, what was Matt Burke drafted in? He was drafted in the sixth round. So back-to-back centers were drafted in the sixth round that ended up being starters and even pro and even made multiple Pro Bowl appearances for at least this franchise, who's pretty proud of the center position when you add in Mick Tinglehoff, who's just been elected into the Hall of Fame, and you throw in Jeff Christie, who was pretty damn good in the 90s. So... And Tom Brady was a sixth round pick too. Okay, yeah, I mean we all know that, and a lot of sixth round picks don't pan out. Um, some do, some don't. Uh, I wouldn't dis- I wouldn't disvalue a sixth round pick though. I mean you-, you never do know. Fourth round picks are really really nice to have. Like I talked about quite a bit already today. I almost had a call today the fourth round pick show. <laughs> so I mean no, don't don't uh, don't discard that sixth round pick that quickly. But at the same time, Gerald Hodges looked like a starter. I don't know. I mean, it depends on just how hard he was to deal with. There's no way for us to really know. I suppose more will come out in the course of time. Sometimes it comes out, but sometimes you have to wait like a year for it to come out, and that's the annoying part. Um, I'm going to check in the in-game thread. I usually don't read in it, but sometimes I do. Um, oh, yeah, because I took too long to get it going. Uh, yeah, after this is all after the... This is mostly after the... Um, yeah, this is this is mostly after like the in-game conversational type stuff. Justin Mayer Henry out of Colorado was saying, "Nice to see Walsh is actually kicking well today," and he did, and he made all of them, and good for him. And he made a forty-five yarder that ended up giving it a semi dagger. It wasn't a, it wasn't a very good dagger, but it was a good enough dagger, I guess, in this case. Brent Jacobson out of the Lakeville area, Minnesota, here saying to steal to steal a line from the hated Packers announcer Wayne Larrivee. Yep. <laughs> Larry uh, Robinson's fumble recovery is your dagger. Yup. And he says, Woo, I was afraid that Barr's taunting was going to give Casey another possession and therefore potentially cost us the game. And luckily it didn't come to that. And it could have. And Barr, well, statistically, he didn't have the greatest game ever. But Kendricks kind of, I guess, stole a lot of those tackles because he was just that much that much more excited, I guess. I mean, that was also partially probably what was going on behind the scenes. It was Hodges uh, maybe... They were saying, Kendricks is, Kendricks is going to get more playing time, and Hodges said, F you, I earned the starting job. You know, I should be the starting linebacker here. And they said, well, no, it's not going to work that way. But I, I don't know what to... I, I, I don't know. It just kind of is what it is. Hmm. Uh, but then again, Kendricks was starting with Hodges most of the time, too. So it, it's all situational, this, that. Something happened behind the scenes. Cedric Paulding said, our defense is coming into its own. Great win. Absolutely, Cedric Holding, who is from Mississippi, I gotta click like on these, damn it, what's wrong with me? Shame on me, there we go, let's get some likes going, there you go, little like, little love spreading, Dave Hickey was saying, AP looks like shit, (laughs) I have no idea how he got 60 yards when he he even, uh, when every carry, I've seen he got 2 yards or a loss, granted I didn't see every play, but it was terrible, thank God for Teddy, though, he is our quarterback of the future for sure. And I love digs. That spells the N for CP84. Probably, Dave. Probably. Uh, Mark Carlson is saying, Out of town, unable to listen via radio. Happy for the W. Sad, I missed all the action. Oh, that's a bummer. And Mark Carlson, or Brent Jacobson, saying, A win is a win is a win. Yep, yep, yep. Good deal there. And then now on to the overall postgame thoughts, which that was already kind of merging with this anyway. Ah, ba-ba-ba. Justin Mayer Henry says... Well, we won, so there's that. (laughs) And Matt Emer out of the UK. Welcome back, my friend. Welcome back. Miss you very much. Really happy to see you on here. Really happy about that. Uh, He says, we are so lucky our D is good because our O absolutely stinks. It wasn't very good today, was it? Um, yeah, it, it was an overall struggle. It took forever for Adrian Peterson to get some yards. And it was the old, you know, the death Castle Castlevania 3 thing that I would enter in here. And I need to get that, soundtrack, that sound back in here. But it was the whole two yards in a caused of dust type of sound effect. That's what I used that for. Uh, I actually got that idea from Paul Tunivers Caniff, who unfortunately moved to Seattle. Damn it. The degenerate cheers for the Seattle Seahawks most of the time. Son of a gun. <laughs> and no, I say that in in jest. I yeah, he's just uh just the word Seattle and Seahawks and it's just oh, oh, oh I mean yeah, I hate Seattle so much I almost kinda cheered for the Packers in the NFC Championship game, but that's a secret. I don't I don't think anybody heard that, so please don't tell anyone. Todd Vandermeer out of Indiana saying Ugly looks like Mister Fumbles is returned, and yes, Adrian Peterson did fumble. He says, A.K.A. A.P., and he isn't playing like someone who wants to get twenty five hundred yards. Also, need to finish drives with TDs, not field goals. That pretty much summed up the game in a lot of ways, other than Kansas City was more ugly. They were they they just did not seem to have that drive. Whatever it was, they just couldn't catch easy passes. I mean, there was a there was a play during this game. Where Alex Smith, it was a short, so yeah, it was a third and like seven yards or something. It wasn't that long, but it wasn't that short either. It was a slant, though, that would have easily, they would have easily gotten two yards over, like two yards through the first down on a slant. The guy was wide open. I'm trying to remember what the guy's, which, what his name was. Maybe I could screw around here. Ah, shoot. Damn it! it's Not even loaded correctly. So whatever, whoever it was, I I, I knew the name at the at the time. <laughs> it's not too complicated, but he just he dropped the ball. It, it wasn't Macklin or any of them. Ah, uh, I can't remember. It was disappointing though for I mean I felt bad for the Chiefs. I did. I, it was the kind of game where it's like they deserved better than they got down down the stretch, but. I'm glad it didn't cost us Minnesota Vikings. So thank God for that anyway. Okay, let's get to Todd, or excuse me, to um, Tene Brown saying, I like what I saw from Diggs. Yep, and the defense was really good. The rest of the offense really needs to step up, starting with the O-line. And that's going to be an ongoing trend, my friend. Trend, my friend. Nice rhyme there. Uh, uh, The offensive line is a work in progress, and it seems like it's been a work in progress since, The '80s. I mean, you know, seriously. Um, Okay, no, maybe not. Maybe since the the early 2000s, it's been a work in progress. Ever since it happened in 2001, August 2001, it. It's never really, yeah, never really recovered from that, other than, I guess, in 2002, when Matt Burke took over at center. It looked awfully good for a little while under Mr. Mike Tice, because that was his job. I mean, he was an offensive line coach, doggone it. Uh, let's get to the visitor posts here, the ones that were not along my threads. Mostly uh, Ali Sikid, uh, Sidikay, Sidikay saying, uh posting a lot of articles up there. Throwback Tuesday, yep, that was really cool. I remember that game. Vikings beat the Chiefs 45-20 to in 2003, and I remember that game well. Moss was unbelievable in that game. The Vikings were awesome. Great game indeed. I didn't even click like on these, and I do apologize. I'll start clicking now. Uh, Minnesota Vikings Q&A with Cred Peters on Vikings.com. Vikings vs. Chiefs, three keys to winning the game. And I hope you guys did enjoy these articles. I don't know why nobody clicked like, and I do apologize. And, Ollie, keep it up, buddy. Keep it up. Really appreciate you. Um, Sebastian Balls. Hey, where the hell is this guy Ben? Host of the Purple People People Podcast. Hell, what am I talking about? The Purple Press Box. <laughs> the Purple Press Box on YouTube as of right now. Still a wonderful show. Look it up. Purple Press Box. Always a wonderful show. What am I saying? Um, Yeah, look it up on YouTube. Sebastian does a hell of a job. You can use your Xbox. You could use your laptop. You could even use your phone. Just get on Wi-Fi so you don't kill your data unless you have unlimited data. (laughs) But yeah, your Xbox, even heck, even on your, uh, excuse me, I'm like looking away from the mic, but you know, um, you could even use your, in these days, you can use your Blu-ray player as long as it's connected to Wi-Fi. Watch it on there. It's uh, well worth it, man. The Purple People Press Box. There's even a Facebook page for it. Sebastian, always kind enough to shout out to me. And, well, he's been a co-host on this show and he will be a co-host again. It's just that it's not its just not every week because the way things go, his schedule's as bad as mine now, the son of a gun. So, <laughs> um, half the time we can't even talk to each other other than, well, we're both at work. I mean, what are you going to do? You're, we're both at work. I mean, it's nice that we keep, keep in touch, though. I mean, it's not like we hate each other or anything. We love each other, doggone it. Oh, yeah. I really appreciate all of you guys. Mark Carlson, America's Game of the Week. That was a while ago now, October 4th. So there it is. We'll leave that as is. Ali, thank you very much for posting those. And I did check those out. They're all very good articles, of course, and well worthy of being posted on this page. Uh, Let's get to the Twitter account, shall we? And wrap up this show. Malcolm, yeah, I better pick off from this because I feel so bad. Yeah, Malcolm gave me a couple tweets right after I recorded the show last time around against the Denver Broncos. He was saying, "Ha ha, I love it." I did a throw, uh, I did a throw a pick to Harrison Smith, and it took 20, about twenty minutes, but it worked. And yes, yeah, so he was hoping for that. And Malcolm is out of California. I haven't heard from him since that, and I feel bad. I hope he didn't think I. I just kind of phased him out of the show because I promise I did not. Why do you think I'm reading it now, Malcolm? Uh, He says, Andrew Luck versus the Bengals playoffs last year-esque. Yeah. um, Yeah, and ultimately the Bengals right now, though. Well, they better start. They better win a playoff game this year. I mean, come on, Cincinnati. 1988. Yeah, okay. That year, you went all the way to the Super Bowl and lost on the drive. You almost won that Super Bowl with that good defense and that good enough offense almost won the Super Bowl in 1988, but unfortunately for Cincinnati, Joe Montana was the quarterback of the 49ers, and that's all that mattered at the end of that one, regardless of how that game was uh, moving around. I don't, I don't know if it brave the wild. What the hell? Da-da-da. Favorites, retweets, uh, follows, thank you very much. If any of you actually listen to the show, if you're real or not, some are and some aren't. Uh, okay, let's go back to where I was. Bouncing and bouncing. Where are the notifications? What a mess. Damn it. Mad Martin, always a lot to say during the game. Lots of fun. What was he? Okay, let's get to D-Fry and Anthony. Uh, Antonio Fett. Antonio Fett and Deep fry a Bears fan. Antonio Fett, uh, also uh, Anthony Carlson, Mark Carlson's son, over in the East Coast at this point in time with his uh, military uh, duties over there, saying, some Bears fans parked next to me. Should I let the air out of his tires or call a tow truck? I'll just do both. Look at this guy. (laughs) Ha, ha, ha and he, and D Fry says, you should write a note saying Packers suck, hashtag bear down, and then Anthony's saying, I'm going to HR and tell him he's stealing stuff and drinking on the job, ooh, burn, zing, (laughs) and Mad Martin and I, most of it's in-game stuff, so I'm going to kind of bounce around, Uh, this one's important though, Uh, Mad Martin, he, uh, this is Dave Martin out of the Northern Scotland area way over there. He says, I want to see if Keddie is the future of this team. So, yep, with those deep passes I was saying, hey, you know, he's been throwing those and he looks good right now. He says, what we want to see is the Turner playbook in action. And, yep, that's with those deep passes and such. Just says, looks like our beloved GM struck gold in the draft mine with Diggs. Mm-hmm. Without a doubt. Ah, Matt Martin saying, with that, with that Casey secondary, our passing game should look good, but three out of a possible 14 points. Hope that does not bite us back. Yep, and my fantasy football team. Da, da, da. Yep, yep. And Matt Martin was afraid that we were going to lose the game, 14 to three, the way it he was headed. Yeah, and it sure seemed that way. Dallas Ditsenbach was saying, "I know I'm a wreck." <laughs> yep, lots of frustrating back and forth. Um. Okay, here we go. This is an interesting. This is where it's more post game. Uh, Dave saying, so Denver was a moral winner, and if we win win this, does that count as a moral loss? And almost, because we, we almost lost the game, at least we did win, <laughs> as a lot of people would say. Oh, man. Trying to get this going. Yep, and the Chiefs had fumbled it away. The Purple Brit was happy about that. Mm, not much post-game, though, unfortunately. Here we go. Here we go. Matt Martin, Dave Martin saying, A win a win's a win. I just hope they learn from this mess of a game and can find ways to get better. Nothing to celebrate here. Yeah, just getting the win is nice. And Dallas Dateson saying, I'll take a win no matter how ugly it is. So, good points. Thank you very much. And this is one thing I I was losing the train of thought of and I got it back. Last show... I didn't pass out a gold star, and I do apologize, and I'll pass out the gold star for that show because it'll be a different person than this one. Last show, it was Dave Hickey, without a doubt. Uh, I think it was going to be Silver Star uh, to Justin Mayer-Henry and Bronze Star to Brent Jacobson, and so that would be the previous show, so you guys are still getting your stars. <laughs> so Dave Hickey got his first gold star of this season. Mark Carlson got the first gold star of, uh, on the first show for me, that was two games into the season already. But so the, the gold star was in Iowa all last week. This week it's going to go to Tane Brown. How about that? Out of New Zealand, Tane Brown with his first Purple Mafia gold star. Congratulations, my friend. <laughs> purple star purple star, gold star to Tane Brown. Yes, sir. Out of New Zealand. Great points. Great conversation, indeed. Mark Carlson with the silver, and I'm going to give Dave Martin the bronze. Back and lots of back and forth. Wonderful, keeping in touch with him on Twitter. He is going to and always lots of good things to say and entertaining as well. We get back, we go back and forth the conversation. We don't argue. It's just conversation and it's fun. Interesting kind of, uh, and, and and entertaining for each other. We we entertain each other basically throughout the game. <laughs> uh, yep, Dave Martin with a bronze star because you know it's terrible when I just focus on the Facebook and then uh, and it's almost like I forget. You know, hey, Twitter is eligible for a gold star, a silver star, and a bronze star. Not just the occasional gold. You can get the bronze and silver too. It's good to pass those out as well. Rather than up, oh, if it didn't get if they nobody got a gold over there, screw that. We're gonna give it over to. Uh, uh, all on Facebook. So, so the gold is going to Tane out of New Zealand, bronze to Mark Carlson and bronze over to silver to Mark Carlson, bronze to Dave Martin this time around, but Dave Hickey, though, with also some wonderful posts on here and Brent Jacobson always does and all those other guys and stuff. Um, yeah, uh, this time, no, it was Justin Mayer Henry got the silver. What am I saying? No, that was last week. Oh, I'm going crazy. Justin Mayer-Henry got this over last week. This week, it's... <laughs> I'm losing my mind. Tanae, Mark, and Dave. There you go. All right. So, thank you all again so very much for listening to the show. And I need to get that, that sound bite back as well. <laughs> Doggone it. Need to get that on here. I thought I already had it, but no, I don't. I'll get that thing on here again. I want to thank all of you very, very much for listening to this show. I do think the Vikings beat the Detroit Lions and go to four and two. And if and when they do, second place, and hopefully a postseason wild card to follow, because I think winning the division looks utterly impossible right now. But I suppose we'll never say never until until it actually happens. So <laughs> leave that as is. It's going to be a little bit warmer this week. That's the good news for all of us that uh, like it uh, not too warm, but certainly don't like it quite as cold as it was this week. It was a little little bit on the chilly side, more like November, particularly in the evenings and mornings. Let's get the, let's get some October 60s back instead of that November 40s. So, we'll do 40s and 30s type of nonsense. It's a little too cold. So, we'll be enjoying that. Uh, enjoy that weather and then get that TV ready. Get it ready to roll because the Vikings are on the road again. Uh, coming up in Detroit, Michigan. We'll actually win one in Detroit this time around. Won't that be nice? Until then, everyone take care and enjoy those fall colors.